0: You know, I would, I would argue that, that a lot of Section tenants are great tenants because uh-huh. I'll tell you, it's hard to get those vouchers. There are massive wait lists. Like this, the city opens up the wait list for like a week every like five or six years. And in, 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 in less than a week, like literally a week, they'll get like seven 8,000 people sign up. And you know, and, and and they'll never get through that wait list. I mean, we just we just don't have enough resources to 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 do it all right now. Right. So um, so I would say, you know, you know, Section Eight voucher holder, you know, is going to do their darndest to to keep that voucher. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna cause problems because they know that if they cause problems and lose their voucher, they're not getting that back.
1: Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. <laughs> hello and welcome everybody to episode number 32 of the placemaking podcast i am extremely excited to share this next conversation with all of you here today tyler is the vice president of development at fort worth housing solutions tyler and his team work to create more affordable housing options in the city of fort worth through the acquisition or new construction of mixed income residential communities with roles in project management, land planning, underwriting, due diligence, infrastructure planning, entitlements, financial analysis, and budgeting, construction and compliance. The list goes on. Tyler does it all. (laughs) Tyler brings with him more than 15 years of experience tackling complex real estate issues, real estate development consultant and owner's manager director, on projects big and small, from master planned communities to infill boutique multifamily, and everything in between. Needless to say, he has tons of experience in the field of real estate development. Fort Worth Housing Solutions is changing the face of affordable housing by providing mixed income, rental, and home ownership opportunities that provide the foundation to improve lives in the Fort Worth area. They work closely with numerous community partners to promote economic independence and positive change in the lives of thousands of individuals they touch on a daily basis. Their mission is to develop housing solutions where people can flourish. In this episode, we're going to discuss the types of programs that Fort Worth Housing Solutions supports, how they partner with developers and landlords, and we discuss common myths, about public housing authorities not just in fort worth but everywhere and as you will hear in this show he brings tons of experience on the subject of real estate development and the role of public housing authorities in shaping the landscape of development so as always if you have enjoyed this show i ask that you please subscribe to this show and share with all your friends in the industry there will be more exciting conversations i promise on the shows to come So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Tyler.
0: Hey, good to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, glad to have you on here. You have uh, quite a lot of experience in development as a whole, real estate as a whole. Um, But your more recent position is uh, pretty interesting to me because something that I know enough about to be dangerous, but not enough that I I should know. And so, you know, I really want to take a second here to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll, we'll kind of curtail that into uh, where you're at now at Fort Worth Housing Solutions. Great. So kind of where, where did you start your, your journey there for real estate? It, It, uh, See Trinity Works is where you kind of started. Was that um, kind of what experience did that give you, and, and how did that kind of shape where you where you're at now?
0: Yeah, uh, it was it was a, a great experience. Uh, it was a small shop, so um, you know, just me, I was my first boss, boss's first employee. Um, wow. So I had a lot of of interaction, um, with, with you know client interaction and, um, just kind of firsthand, um, knowledge, you know, the opportunity to sit in a lot of meetings that I you know probably wouldn't have in a larger office. You know, I just followed the boss around and, you know, sat in on every meeting that he had it took meeting minutes. Um, so it just gave me the opportunity to, to be in a room with other executives and, and really veteran, uh, real estate professionals that, you know, other 23 year olds you know, probably wouldn't have had. Sure. Um, so I, did appreciate that, and we worked on a lot of different projects. Um, so he, Trinity Works, is a consulting company. They work on a lot of, I would say, difficult or unique projects that have complex uh, solutions, mm-hmm. um, or, or you know, kind of issues, development issues that that are you know involved, and um, usually larger projects too, just that have a lot of moving pieces. So um, it gave me an opportunity just to to you know, see a lot of interesting, um, problems to solve. Um, right. You know, he, uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Manning is the founder and principal at, at Trinity works. Um, you know, he, he worked on a lot of, uh, and still does works, work on, um, ranches, family ranches in Texas. Um, the Edwards ranch was, was kind of, well, one of my first big project management projects. Wow. And, um, you know, it had, just different types of, of, um, you know, environment, you know, you had kind of like grassland, you had you know forest, you had, you know, a hill, you know, and it's, you know, snap, you know, in the middle of, you know, a Fort Worth, I mean, you, you know, walk around the ranch, you know, back in you know 2006 and, you know, it felt like you were, you know, in the middle of East Texas, you know, in the middle of nowhere when, you know, you were, you know, a half mile from, you know, Hewlin, um, it just didn't feel like it. Um, but, but it, you had, um, you know, again, but developing it, you know, we had a lot of uses too. So you had a single family, you had, you know, plus you kind of had the, the intricacies of, of being, you know, really high-end and particular and, and really detail-oriented. Um, but then you had um, you know, the commercial uses too. So, you know, we were bringing in, you know, huge trunk infrastructure lines. Um, you know, we're dealing with, you know, you know, designing a bridge to get us across the Trinity river. We were dealing with, you know, interaction with, with the tollway that was going through the property at the time. Um, and then you had, you know, really, you know, big interface with, with the city because it was kind of a public private partnership at the time. Um, so, you know, it it was under a TIF. I mean, you had all these different um, pieces and components that were, you know, really good to to know and to learn. Um. Know, also working with with isaac we you know worked on um industrial parks um so again just different different uses you know going mm-hmm. from you know it could be you know uh, you know we worked on a you know a small family farm in north carolina and then we worked on you know the wichita falls business park um so it's just just kind of a, a wide range um and then you know we also worked on a really interesting um you know we worked on a huge project for the boy scouts uh, we, we had um, the the task of of helping to select one of their um, one of their huge you know uh, scout camps, um, and it was a national search. They had you know like eighty four different entries. Um, the The general criteria was, I think it was like a four hour drive from. Uh, an international airport. You had to, you know, be not, you know not too hot in the summertime. Um, you had to be able to accommodate a hundred thousand people in a day. Hey. Usually, the president would speak at those, and so like there'd be like there'd be like forty thousand scouts at, at at the camp at any given time. And then you'd have the day when the president would show up. You'd have all these extra visitors too. So you'd have like a hundred thousand people in flux. But then most That's of the right. year, most of the year, the camp's basically empty, right? So it's like, how do you deal with these huge infrastructure needs that are just like balloon, you know, just for a very short period of time without like, you know, breaking the bank and having all of that infrastructure there year round when you don't actually really even need it. Um, So again, just, you know, really interesting problems that we had to solve. Uh, That deal ended up going to West Virginia. So they ended up having the narrowed down from the 84 sites down to 12, down to five, down to three. And then for those three, It was, it was Arkansas, Virginia, and West Virginia. We came up with a huge program of all the different things that the scouts needed at the camp. And then we planned each of the three sites implementing those, all of those program items, did a full cost estimate on what each three sites would take so that we could compare them apples to apples. And so the the Arkansas site was, was too hot actually in the summertime. It was like 96 degrees in June or July when, when the, you know, the camp is held. Um, And then you had, Uh, Virginia actually the folks didn't want us the the, like (laughs) the quaint little town that lived next door didn't want a hundred thousand people coming in so that I botched it and then and then West Virginia was all about it now the problem with West Virginia is it's mountains so you know how do you get 40,000 how do you get campsites for 40,000 kids that are flat enough where they you know without you know without you know chopping down you know the entire forests and you know having these huge you know grading projects that that, you know, ruin the, the natural kind of landscape. But, uh, but it was great. It's a, uh, it's a 14,000 or was it 11, I think 11,000 acres that they purchased in, wow. in Beck, West Virginia. And, um, so I was, I was involved in the front end. I didn't actually get to see it. I've never seen it built, but it is built I think it's beautiful.
1: That's very unique. <laughs> but,
0: uh, but yeah, so again, so just, you know, it was really cool just working on, on those types of projects. Um, and that was, you know, one of, you know, a couple dozen different, you know, crazy ass deals that, that we worked on. Um, and it was, you know, good to to cut your teeth on, on unique, unique, uh, unique projects.
1: Yeah. You got some hairy deals under your belt there early on. Yeah. So so where did you go after that?
0: Uh, so after I left Trinity works, um, I was on my own for a little bit Uh, in the 2010 time period. I, uh, just paid the bills by, um, consulting on my own, uh, I formed an LLC and I, you know, did some cold calling. I, I uh, ended up getting some work working and basically done doing like economic development work.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: I partnered with, um, with a couple different cities and, um, so small towns don't necessarily, you know, they want economic development, but they don't have the resources to get it sure. done. Um, I was able to, to partner on a project where, um, I analyzed the, the the city's real estate holdings basically, and just okay. identified a, a places where they could incentivize. They wanted to incentivize developers to come to town, yeah. and so I basically looked at all of the, I looked at their town and looked at all the holdings and told them, you know, these are the places that developers might actually want to go. Like, don't waste their time. Just ask, you know, telling asking them to develop properties that no one's going to want. Let's focus on, you know, these three areas that are are attractive, you know, here are, you know, five or six different, you know, prospects that you can call and we just help them formulate a a plan of action to, to, to focus on, you know, a couple different areas. They had, you know, they had an old main street that they wanted to to focus on, but, you know, the area that they really were looking at didn't have infrastructure. So we kind of forced them to not force them, but prodded them toward, you know, different area of of that Uh main street. And then there were a couple areas of, of kind of single family development that they could take advantage of. Um, so, I mean, that was just, you know, one example of, um, of ways to, to get by in the, you know, the 2011, 12 timeframe. Sure. But, uh, but then I, I was hired by James R. Harris partners uh, into the very end of 2012. And um, that role was mostly single family land development. and, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, of larger master plan communities, um, so, uh, mostly in the Austin markets. Okay. Um, and, then, and then I, I did some infill development with JRH in Fort Worth. So their office is in Fort Worth. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Harris, principal of JRH, uh, he's a, a, a partial owner, minority owner in Village Homes, which is a, a local custom builder. They do a lot of kind of um, townhouse, both attached and, and detached. Uh, housing and um, so you know they wanted land you know positions within the market so um, so part of the kind of the fort Worth deal making that i I worked on with grh was was trying to find them positions okay. or at least or at least you know it was nice to to bounce off ideas with village, just you know knowing you know I knew if they liked it that it was a good deal you know what i mean it was, it was, you know it was nice to have um, you know, the builder, you know, when you're a land developer, your customer in a lot of ways is your builder, Sure. you know, and so, so you, you want to you know, try to find a way to make them happy, right? You want to, you know, and, and something that Jim taught me that I take with me is, you know, you always want, when you're looking at a property, you know, it's good to know that a site is attractive or, or that, that it, that it could be something, but really, you know, the best way to approach your land is, is to know the, you know, really have an idea on the product. To, mm-hmm. to know exactly what needs to be built there what sure. what's what's someone going to want to buy on that land, and so when you have a builder kind of in tow, if you will, knowing that they want you know a certain type of product for that mark for that area then you can then you can just better visualize how that parcel like, you can just better locate a, a parcel for them right yeah. and if you know a builder wants you know fifty foot lots, then you can go find them dirt that accommodates fifty foot lots right if you know yeah. they they 're going to do you know townhouses then, you, you know, you can better find them a, a spot for townhouses. You know, it's, it's better, in my mind, it's better to have an, an idea of, of what the the, the the final product is going to be as opposed to just going to find good dirt somewhere.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You got to know what your end user is, is planning on using it for and, and tailor it to their, I mean, that helps your, your search out quite a bit, I'm sure.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's good to find a piece of dirt, but, you know, no one wants to sit on it either. I mean, I, well, I guess some people do buy land and, and, and speculate, but that's a long game, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't have capital to buy land and wait 20 years to see, you know, to you know see if, if something, you know, appreciates, right. you know, and, and people do that all the time. So I'm not saying they don't, but um, you know, I don't think Jim Harris is an example and I would cite him as a very successful example of, of a real estate developer. You know, I don't. I don't know if Jim's bought a piece of property before, or if he didn't know exactly what he was going to do with it.
1: Yeah, that makes you know,
0: sense. It, it and may, it may. You know, I'm not saying he's never done a bad deal or anything, but at the same time, you know, he's not. You know, I don't think smart people buy dirt just for the heck of it. <laughs> that makes just sense. So they can sit, and you know, I mean, again, because you know, they want to. They can put their money, their capital, to use else, you know, in a lot yeah. of different ways,
1: and get a better return. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, well so so you were there for how long?
0: I was at JRH for uh like five and a half years. Okay. Just December yeah, December twelve through uh July eighteen. Okay. Like that.
1: And then what how, why'd you join uh Fort Worth Housing Solutions? What did that look like? Yeah. What was the what was the conversation?
0: Well, um when I was underwriting deals for Jim, um, there was costs were the issue. Really, it was, it was hard to make deals as a as a build the suit. Uh, it was kind of a kind of a fee developer, which in a lot of ways, you know, um, you, know you know, we were looking to be. Um, so, in order for Jim to, to to make a deal work, you know, in their underwriting they would usually want to, to make like a 30% gross margin. So to make the numbers easy, let's say it costs you 50 grand to build a lot. In order for us to take the risk and the time to pursue a project, raise, you know, spend a bunch of you know, due diligence dollars, raise the money, you know, buy the deal, you know, pursue the deal, develop it, and, and take on the, the risk that it doesn't work out exactly as, as it, you might want it to, you know, we, again, that 30% gross margin, you know, requires us to sell that $50,000 lot for 65000 Just, let's just, you know, bubble numbers, bubble math numbers. So I would, I would take, you know, a, a deal that I thought was good to a builder or a couple builders and say, Hey, you know, these, these are good lots, you know, they're, you know, 60 foot lots or whatever, 50 foot lots, you know, it's, you know, I need it for a 50 foot lot, you know, I need 65 grand for. And they'd be like, oh, you know, it's a really great lot, but, you know, I can really only pay like, you know, 60 for it, you know? And I was like, well, you know, you sure, you know, it's a good site. Let's go drive it. And they're like, you know, they drive it and they, yeah, we, we, we love it, but, you know, costs are tight. We want to keep it, you know, close to 300 K, you know, final product, whatever, you know, you know, we're trying to keep it as cheap as possible. And, you know, we really, you know, we can't go more than 60. So I was losing deals or, you know, spinning, spinning my wheels, basically couldn't get builders, you know, teed up for, for a couple of projects because they just, the margins just weren't there. Right. So, um, so it ended up basically that, that I thought, well, you know, maybe I can just go in house with these builders. So I, I talked to the, to the builders about, about, you know, maybe just, just coming on with them and um, you know, I could work for them. I could find them that $50,000 property. And instead of, you know, needing the 65 that I did with JRH, you know, we could, you know, they could develop it themselves. They could sell it to themselves at cost. They could, you know, market up however much they needed to, you know, again, it's, it would be an internal deal that, you know, that they could have for the 60 K that they said that they needed it for as an example. Sure. And, and I think that that had some lags. Um, I did have a couple opportunities to go work for, for builders. Um, but, you know, you've got to consider quality life and, um and, you know, you know, there was a builder that I could have worked for in Capel. There was a builder that I could have worked for in Grapevine. Another one in South Lake. Um, I'm in Southwest Fort Worth. Um, I thought, you know, about the the drive every day, and and um, you know, it's it, it's a consideration, right? You just have to sure. take those things into account. And um, and so while I was interviewing with these folks, um, you know, I was pretty sure I was moving, you know, moving to you know a, a new opportunity somewhere. Um, I, I did, you know, reach out to a number of people, um, you know, one of them, um, being a contact at the city of Fort Worth and, um, and that gentleman, um, recommended me to housing solutions. Okay. So I guess the, the position had been vacant since, since March and this was probably, you know, May or June, probably maybe early June. Um, and so, um, so I interviewed with Mary Margaret and, um, we seemed to hit it off and, Uh, I was eventually offered the, the VP role of development for housing solutions and um, you know, the, the combination of um, of being in Fort Worth is, was very attractive. The idea of taking on um, you know, kind of a a new role within a public entity was, was, was something that intrigued me. Um, You know, the, you know the altruistic nature of you know being you know the kind of the public good part of it is it's kind of cheesy but it i mean it's real you know i mean yeah, I, it's
1: yeah.
0: when you're when you're you know i think that we are doing good for the city and and that that feels nice you know if you're yeah. you're you know in a you know doing a job that you love and you're making money and you know you know you, you know you're paying you making enough money to pay the bills and you're enjoying going to work every day and you know you're challenged then you know it's that's a good situation to be in. And and Definitely. we you know I am challenged. You know, we you learning Litech, low income housing tax credits, you know, is a new gig for me. You know, there's you know there are a lot of, of ways that I am, you know, wholly competent and you know and and percent you know on board with with you know helping housing solutions out. You know, I am, but I am not an expert in LITEC. Um, right. you know and and I'm I'm trying to get there. Uh, and over the last year, two years, I've, I've grown leaps and bounds, but you know, that, that was, you know, a kind of a compelling feature was, was the, you know, learning the intricacies and the n- nuances of, of affordable housing and, right. and income um, in particular. So, um, and it's been great and we're busy as hell. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it's, it's, it's been really good. It's like I said, it's, it's been just over two years and, um, we've accomplished a lot. Uh, but, and then, and we've got, a, you know, even more on our plate. Um, you know, we've, we've just kind of, you know, we've, we've been a, a snowball rolling down the hill the last, you know, five or six years, I kind of jumped in, in the middle and we're, we're still, we're still growing. Um, so housing solutions has uh, about 6,000 units under ownership, management uh, and, and ownership. Um, we don't manage the own, our own properties. I shouldn't have said under management. Uh, we, we own and operate, Forty properties, about six thousand units. Um, we also administer about six thousand housing choice vouchers, which are better known as Section Eight vouchers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, we we do um, interface, and, and um, you know, but you know, a lot of you know, a lot of families in Fort Worth, you know, depend on us doing our job well, and and we take that that responsibility seriously, um, you know, and we're we're always striving to to make our projects. Um, you know, as, as as good as they can be, out of those forty properties, uh, you know, we've got probably eight or nine that that need some some major capital uh, improvements right now. So mm-hmm. we've got a plan in place to to, to get those fixed up. Um, we have um, we're in the process of deconcentrating the poverty of of uh, our, our very low income units uh, within the city of Fort Worth. So our public housing stock. Um, is, is being eliminated. Um, we have two, we had three main public housing projects in the city mm-hmm. of Fort Worth. There was Ripley Arnold, uh, which was downtown um, along Belknap where the Tarrant County College is now. So back in the early 2000s, that land was, uh, the residents were, were relocated and the land was sold to Tandy or Radio Shack you know, for their headquarters. Um, housing, the housing authority used money from that transaction to buy into a couple of their properties around town to relocate the Ripley honored folks into. Interesting. Um, and then, um, but then, and then we have subsequently sold one of those properties, um, for, for a, a pretty, uh, good amount to, to help us with, with our, our future, um, our mission and our future endeavors, um, The second and third public housing properties are Butler Place and Cavill Place. So Butler Mm -hmm. Place is is right next to downtown, it's 42 acres. It's where our administrative building is currently on the north end in an old high school, historic high school. And um, so the the Butler folks are being relocated out out of Butler through the RAD program, that's Rental Assistance Demonstration. Uh, it's a HUD program formed uh, six or seven years ago, I think. Um, it's a way that that um, you can you can you can basically um, partner with private entities in order to to integrate those, those public housing units. Um, the the public housing units get kind of transferred into what's called a project based voucher. So a housing choice voucher, the Section Eight voucher, that goes with the tenant, that goes with the the resident. They can take that to uh, any landlord in the city that that accepts that voucher, right. and um, and so they, you know, if I have, if I'm a, a housing choice voucher holder, and and I needed a place to live, I you know contact a landlord. They you know I ask them if they'll accept a voucher. If they say yes, then you know I contact my case manager. Case manager contacts the landlord. They work out a rent, a reasonable amount of rent and um, basically get into a contract where me, the tenant, the voucher holder, I pay 30% of my gross monthly income toward rent, whatever that number is that I've made that month. And maybe I'm a, a gig worker and so my rent, or my income fluctuates. So I'll, oh. I, I, I verify my income each month with my, with my case manager. And you know, whatever 30% of my income is, that's how much I pay. And then the housing authority through our assisted housing department, they cover the difference. So, so that the landlord still gets that overall amount, that agreed upon amount, mm-hmm. but the, the, the resident pays 30% of their income, and then the housing authority covers the difference. Yeah. Um, now instead of instead of having the housing choice voucher that goes with the resident the RAD program is set up where you have a project that, that, that housing choice or that public housing um, becomes a project based voucher. So it goes with the property. So the property ends up getting, they have, they'll, they'll form their own wait list and they'll income verify folks to that, that will, that will meet those guidelines for that voucher um, at that property for it's a, it's a 20 year contract. Oh. So, um, so we, we, um, there was a, Kind of an influx of activity at housing solutions, um, really, um, for a couple of years before I got there, and then through this last, you know, in, in these last two years, to um, take on enough projects to incorporate all these rad units. So, right. um, so as we, as we um, disperse folks from Butler throughout the community. And, and we wanted to, you know, in, in deconcentrating that poverty, we also didn't want to necessarily, um, you know, saturate those folks any any given place. So we tried to make sure that that no more than, uh, really no more than ten, but definitely no more than twenty percent of a property would would become rad. So if you had, uh, you know, a, a 200, 200 unit property, you know, we would typically have about twenty rad units. Okay. Um, so so we uh, went. Um, we acquired some sites uh, but we we mostly were were heavily involved in the in the new development of of tax credit properties, both nine but mostly four percent low income housing tax credit properties so so new construction deals you know, typically around you know two hundred units and then twenty units of those would be uh, extremely low income units um, as as the rad so typically a lIC unit um, has it it's a typical audience is a resident, a household that makes 60% area media income. So, okay. um, area media income for the city of Fort Worth is about 75 grand for a family of four. So, you know, you're talking, um, you know, like 45, right? Is it one, two? So, 75, yeah, ish, 45K for yeah, a family of four. Ish, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, we've finished a number of those properties. We have just our last round of, we've got four, um, four communities under construction right now, uh, two of which are RAD communities, and um, they'll be finishing up near the end of the year. Second one, uh, one's, one's actually turning their first units in the next month or so. It'll be fully complete um, right at the end of the year, and then we'll turn first units in the, the other projects um, first quarter um, but, but we're, we're getting close to where Butler is, is going to be vacated, um, fully, fully vacated. And, um, the idea after, um, ultimately will be to, to sell Butler. Right. Um, once we, once we, once we sell Butler, um, our admin building will, you know, we won't be able, you know, we, we would include the sale of, of our admin building with, with, um, the sale of Butler. So we have to find a new home. So. Um, so part of of my uh, my daily duties in the last uh, year or so has been looking for a new headquarters for the sure. housing solution. Um, right. So that's kind of a little side side gig that I've been working on. But I thought I'd just mention it while I'm sure. bringing up Butler, just because it's another kind of kind of new day for the agency. You know, we just had our our 80th, um, I guess 81st um, anniversary. Um, And in the way I've been thinking about it is, you know, we need to set up a home for the next 80 years. So, um, so that's been just kind of a a fun thing that that I've gotten to do. Um, just it's not a a typical, um, I I don't think that's probably a typical, um, activity for you know, an affordable (laughs) housing developer,
1: um,
0: you know, buying a 30,000 square foot office building, but, um, but it's, it's something that, that I've, been, uh, I think fortunate enough. You know, I, I would say fortunate enough to to be able to handle because uh, I I do think it's fun. I think it's interesting. It it's it um it's never boring here. I tell you, it, uh, it's, that's that's nice. Um, so so we've got so we Ripley Arnold is is long fairly you know long since done. Butler is winding down, uh, but still has you know some. I, think, I, I don't think that we'll really get into the, the meat of, of the, the disposition of Butler until 2021. Okay. Um, so, so there's still you know, a lot of interesting things to, to come there. Um, and I, I do look forward to, to you know, being involved with that and seeing how that, that all comes to fruition. Um, but, but the third uh, public housing site that we're dealing with you know, on a very active basis right now is the, the Cavill Place uh, public housing uh, community. And uh, so Cavill is um, Southeast Fort Worth in what's known as a stop six neighborhood. If you take Rosedale uh, East from 35, um, you would go past Texas Westland um, mm-hmm. and if you're traveling further East before you get to East Loop 820, about a half mile inside the loop on the South side of Rosedale is, is the Cavill Place Apartments. And they're you know similar architectural style to the Butler, uh, it's the kind of red brick barrack style, um, kind of almost military housing that, you know, is right. built you know, all over the, all over the country in, in various, uh various cities, you know, under, um, in, in, you know, as just as, uh, kind of, it's kind of a, you know, new deal type activities in the, um, in the fifties and forties, fifties and sixties, um, so with Cavill, we had, um, so there are 412 families at Butler. We have a slightly smaller site at Cavill. There are 300 residents or households, pardon me, in Cavill. Okay. Um, so with Cavill, we have to, so still same concept. We wanted to deconcentrate the poverty. The the, the overall concept of of housing, all low-income housing, housing folks together, you know, I think is flawed. And, and sure. I, I think, yeah. you know, I think reasonable people today recognize kind of obviously that it's flawed. Um, but you know, and you kind of wonder what people were thinking back in the day. Um, but but I, I think we're doing our best to to change that paradigm as, as quickly as we can. Um so so we couldn't um we couldn't do rad, uh we couldn't relocate folks through the rad program at Cavil. Um the the RAD rents are based off of the the kind of the origin point of those units. So since Butler was close to downtown, we could use the downtown zip code rents, oh, okay. so which higher on, on the, when we relocated folks. Um, and so, but since the Cavill was in a, you know, a, a, a less, um, a, a lower income area, um, the, the rents were not sufficient enough to really um, transfer adequately to make those deals, deals work. Um, so we had to, we had to find another solution. Uh, and that solution is, is, is known as the, the section eight, um, a, a section eight approval through HUD. Uh, basically they proved, um, through, you know, a, a long analysis that, um, it would be too expensive and, and infeasible to, um, to try to fix up cable that, and that it was basically health and safety issues, um, Allowed and and, and um, you know it was it was a it was a reasonable conclusion that that it just it needed to be stopped you know that the folks needed to be relocated and that it was okay to to demolish the property and do something else with it um, and kind of hand in hand with that uh, we applied for what's called tenant protection vouchers which are like housing choice vouchers in a way where the resident could take that voucher and then use that you know wherever they wanted to. Um, you know, really throughout the country. So those special wow. tenant protection vouchers would allow them to port. So let's say, you know, I'm a resident of Cavill and I got my tenant protection voucher and I had, a, you know, I have family in, you know, Oklahoma City. You know, I could take that voucher and I could I could go and, 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 and it could port, meaning it would, the administration of that voucher would transfer from the city of Fort Worth to the end location, you know, hypothetically Oklahoma City. And then they would, you know, use that voucher in o- o- Oklahoma City at that place. Would you, um,
1: would Fort Worth get a credit to say give that out to another, or how does that work? Is it? So it, it, it,
0: just, it means that, yeah. It, so, so when they say that it ports, there's not necessarily a credit. They just want to make sure that someone is administering that voucher. Sure. So it would just, it would just lose, it would, it would be removed from our, you know, our, you know, purview. You know, it would, you know, it just goes to the local authority. And it just okay. allows folks to, to move in a, in a place that's, that's most accommodating, yeah. you know, just despite the fact that, um, you know, Cavill might not have, you know, Cavill and Butler both, you know, aren't the ideal environments, but, you know, but they were still home, right, to a, to a lot of these folks. They, they had, you know, s- um, you know, support networks, you know, they had, you know, family, they had friends, they had, you know, a community that they depended on. And, you know, when you, when you break that up, when you ask them to, to move, you know, that, that causes stress, that causes complications within their lives. And so, you know, when you're able to give them an opportunity to move to a place that they're most comfortable, you know, even if that's, you know, outside of the city, you know, that's what we tried to do to, sure. to make sure that, you know, they could Makes make sense. that transition as, as, as best as they could for, for their individual families. Um, and we are, you know, making an effort to to stay with those folks and to, uh, from a from a um, from a you know check in um, standpoint, um, just to you know, in a case management standpoint, to make sure that that they are transitioning trans- trans- transitioning successfully and, uh, and and they are okay. Um, so and then um, kind of the new the new day for Cavil will be um, a I would say a fairly ambitious uh, redevelopment plan. Um, to build back the area from the 3,000 public housing units into about about 1,000 mixed use units. So, um, Cabell proper is about 22 acres. Uh, housing Authority has purchased land around Cabell proper, also, and then we are also we've also bought three site three sites that in close proximity but not adjacent. Uh-huh. Uh, also in the Stop Six area. So there's there's really there's four kind of development sites within the stop six area that we will focus on uh, that we will build new construction. And so, so it'll, we'll go to a thousand units over those four sites. Um, 300 of those thousand units will be very low income. There um, it's, the, the term would be is, is replacement units. Right. And then, um, and then you'll have about, so about a third is replacement units, about a third is low income housing tax credit units. So kind of that, that uh, affordable um, range—that sixty 60% percent unit, sixty percent AMI okay. unit—and then um, about a third as uh, more of a market, market. Market, rates, yeah.
1: Interesting. All right. Are you guys? Do you guys develop that solely, or is that a partnership to uh, with other local developers to 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 develop that site?
0: Just curious. Yeah. So, so, so for Cavill in particular we partnered with a group called McCormick Barron Salazar. Their headquarters is in St. Louis, their Texas headquarters is in San Antonio, but they are a, a pretty well-known national, nationally known affordable housing developer. And um, they are particularly good at, um, they are particularly good with what's called a uh, Choice Neighborhood Implementation Grant so um, because we, we knew redeveloping Cavill would be such a challenge, we applied for a Choice Neighborhoods Implementation Grant. Let's, okay. We'll call it CNI. Um, and um, so the CNI is an annual award. It's probably, I think it's HUD's largest grant. It's, it's up to $35 million. Wow. And it's given out to between four and six locations per year. And, um, and we were shortlisted this past year and we ended up winning. So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was us and LA and Cleveland and Philly and Winston-Salem. So they picked five and we, we have up to, we have $35 million that we can spend over the next six years. Uh, 70% of which goes toward, it's basically seed money for the housing. Um, so, but it's broken up into three components. You have housing, you have people and you have neighborhood. So, um, so the, the people component is the case management management. So for both the the folks that were relocated, but also the folks that come and, and occupy the new construction, um, they'll have, you know, case management services. Um, and then neighborhood is just, is just trying to, you know, to make the neighborhood a better place to, to live, you know, have better amenities, better. Um, you know, it's, it's involving, you know, transportation and um, just trying to get you know better quality of life issues addressed you know for right. the not only the the residents you know within our direct communities but the you know adjacent um, you know owners and, and neighbors around us um, but then um, you know it, it we wouldn't be able to do the development without the the housing dollars as well so um, and and really it's it it's high quality construction it's very you know expensive. And the fact that, you know, we have, you know, the subsidized, uh, units, um, you know, we do have financial gaps and sure. you know, filling all of those gaps are difficult. You know, we, we don't want to, the housing authority, um, doesn't necessarily want to be, um, obliged or, 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 obligated to, um, uh, to, to fill those gaps just by cutting checks. So it's, it's just, it's a huge effort to, to make sure that we're, um, you know, running down all the different sources that we can grants and otherwise to, to try to make sure that, that, um, that we're successful in our efforts. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, again, probably eight years of development to get six phases of, of new construction done. Um, but in the end, I think it's going to make a a real tangible impact in the neighborhood. Sure. hopeful that, that, you know, we're spreading the, the development over those, you know, four areas. Um, so you know if you're in stop 6 you can have a you know you can see a visible change you know where you are and then you know we can you know let the private market fill the gaps yeah so definitely. we're we're making a you know a, a a you know a tangible impact um you know you know in in the areas where we are trying to, to build that that for-rent products the the denser products and then you know we're hopeful that that the stop 6 community and private you know entrepreneurs the private market will will step up and um and do their part to um you know take advantage of all the other vacant lots in the area i mean there's a ton of vacant land that needs to be developed um uh, you know we need folks to step up and and bring you know the the neighborhood um commercial um uses you know we need you know some more restaurants we need you know the dry cleaners the you know the 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 barbershop the um you know the life insurance agency, the, yeah. you know, the, the CVS, the, um, you know all the different things that that people want and expect in in, you know short, you know, Fox commute City. from where they, yeah. from where they live, yeah, and 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 right now you know, you don't have a lot of that in, in the southeast, and and you know that needs to change, and you know we're hopeful that again that we can we can make the first you know big step to get some rooftops up um to get some 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 bodies you know in that area and to get um get those incomes um you know you know where to where the you know the other folks that you know the 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 corporate real estate guy for CVS you know can can take notice and and realize that you know that's a gap in their portfolio that they yeah. need to fill
1: That's awesome. And we've got over so much right now. <laughs> I I think I've, you've touched on uh this, this next question a little bit throughout the discussion, but what's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions about public housing that you see and, and how would you address that? And like I said, I'm pretty sure you've touched on it a couple times or, or a couple different ones, but uh, do you have a certain specific one that you'd like to address?
0: Well, I, I think the section eight housing and public housing gets a bad rap. Um, you know, just in general, you know, I, you know, not all Section Eight tenants are bad tenants. You know, you have, you know, I would, I would argue that that a lot of Section Eight tenants are great tenants because uh-huh. I'll tell you, it's hard to get those vouchers. There are massive wait lists. Like this, the city opens up the wait list for like a week every like five or six years, in and in, and in, in less than a week, like literally a week, they'll get. Like seven, eight thousand people sign up, and you know, and, and and they'll never get through that wait list. I mean, we just we just don't have enough resources to 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 do it all right now. Right. So, um, so I would say, you know, you know, Section Eight voucher holder, you know, is going to do their darndest to to keep that voucher. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna cause problems because they know that if they cause problems and lose their voucher, they're not getting that back. Right. You know, so, um, so I, I mean, I, I would, I personally, you know, if I was able, you know, as an employee, I couldn't, I couldn't own a rent house and have a section eight contract. But if I did have, you know, if I wasn't an employee of the house authority and I had, you know, rent houses, I would do section eight all day. It's guaranteed money. I mean, you're, it's, it's, it is, I think it's, a very viable solution, you know, a very viable ch- option to, to, you know, if, if I was a, a you know, single family, you know, if I had a couple rent houses or even a, you know, a larger portfolio, I think, I think section eight is, is a, is a very smart way to go. And it really, they, I'll tell you, if you look at the, the housing authority, gives out a list every year they update mm-hmm. the rents per zip code. And there are five or six different zip codes. They have, Crazy high rents, and don't ask me why those rents are drastically higher than others. But they're, you know, but they're incentivizing certain zip codes for sure. Yeah. And you know, and if I, you know, I'd go buy a house in that zip code.
1: <laughs> now it's <laughs> it a change. little hit. Yeah.
0: It could change. You know, you know, two years from now, you know, three years from now, four years from now, maybe the rent isn't. You know, maybe the priorities are different. And those, you know, the rents in that zip code, you know, are, aren't the same. So it's not a forever thing, right. but I mean, you know,
1: That's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even think yeah. about that. Huh. So, uh, you know, we, we discussed the type of programs uh, that you guys kind of partner with and, and how that looks kind of with the developers uh, and landlords you know, we, we really touched on all that.
0: Um, yeah. We usually, we usually partner with a developer. Uh, right. Very, very rarely do we do a deal all by ourselves, which makes it a, a little easier on me. Um, yeah. You know, I don't don't have to, to run, you know, you know, point on all of these, pro- I mean, I couldn't run point on all of these projects. So, so we have co-developer partners that have their own teams that manage and, and run point, And then we kind of oversee or an involve you know, have a, have an oversight and, and a you know an associate role in in, in the process. So so we'll, generally we have you know all of our all of our deals have a limited partnership entity, and they have a general partner, a limited partner, and a special limited partner. The general partner is 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 the point. The limited right. partner is the money, and the SLP is the associate. So some deals we run point and we're the GP. Some deals we're the associate. And we're the SLP, so it just it just depends on on the on the particular deal. Most deals were a GP um, or a general partner, and 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 you know it's on us to make um, you know operating decisions. But um, but but sometimes we have that associate role. Um, uh, we we have a very we we definitely have a structure within our deals but very few of our deals are exact, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of our deals are exactly the same, <laughs> um, which, which is good and bad. Right. And you want, you want a general structure. Um, but, it, and, and, and it's, it's nice to to have expectations on on what, you know, you're, what's going to happen and, and you, you, you can tell developers as they inquire, you know, what, what those ex, our expectations are, you know, in a partnership. And so I can lay those out, but you know, every deal is nuanced. It seems, you know, just in one way or another where it's, They're just not, not, not quite the same.
1: Sure. So when you do partner with a developer, it's just curious, is that typically kind of a request for proposal type um, process, or is that you, you know somebody that this is their specialty and then you go out and requisite that, um, their services.
0: So, so it, it, it can go both ways. So, um, if I, if housing solutions has a piece of property, if we're originate, if we're originating the idea, then we have to go through an RFP, RFQ process. So if if I have a site like, like Cavill, uh-huh. so when we wanted a master developer for Cavill, you know, we had an RFQ and McCormick Bernard Salazar was picked as a qualified firm. So we were able to select them as a qualified firm.
1: Public, RFQ public process. land technically, yeah. right?
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, if you, but, but if there is a, let's say a, you know, you know, ABC developer in, in, you know, North Fort Worth has a piece of property and they want to develop it and they want to partner with us, then they can just call us and we can work out a deal.
1: Right.
0: Okay. I, I, it, it, if, they, if it's their property and they're, they want us to, they want to bring us in, then we can just be brought in. But if we're soliciting the deal, it has to be a public situation.
1: That makes sense. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> I thought that was the case, but yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Any developers that want, you know, so I mean, and our our role is to create as many affordable housing opportunities as possible in the city of Fort Worth. You know, quality spots where people want to live. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I want to know if someone's got ideas for a deal. You know, I, I want to hear about it
1: yeah
0: Uh, so so please you know call me Um, i'm around yeah let me know if there's if there's uh any of your listeners have ideas um i'm very easy to find and uh, happy to talk with you
1: oh definitely i will have all of your information on the show so don't worry about that um is there any questions that i should ask that i didn't (laughs) i know you went over my favorite color is blue oh same same (laughs) all right that works what's the quickly what was the day in the life of uh tyler look like right now
0: well you know it's busy we uh we we don't have a lot of folks in our office yeah Um, it's it's my boss and myself mostly Uh, a lot of our our staff are remote so you know it's it's getting up in the morning and having some coffee and coming to work and, and working with uh, you know Brian in the office and uh, trying to make things happen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's good. We're, um, we're busier than ever really. And we, we have not slowed down a tick. <laughs> so it's, it's foot on the gas pretty much every day. Um, so, so Fridays we're, so we don't technically work on Fridays. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Our office is uh, just uh, Monday through Thursday, but, uh, but Brian and I were in the office today, <laughs> so we we got too much to do. We can't we can't get it all done in four days.
1: No days off, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: you can see. Well, you you can see that I'm in the office now. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll yeah. let you get back to your uh, busy schedule, Tyler. I really appreciate you coming on here and giving me an inside scoop of what you're what you guys are doing there at Fort Worth Housing, and yeah. uh, keep up the good work.
0: I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to tell your listeners about all the good things we're trying to do. I think Fort Worth is a great place to be. I honestly wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the in the country. I'm happy that I found my way here and back in 03. And I, uh, I think we're, we're just, uh, we're, we're going up. I think, I think we got great things in the future here in Fort Worth. Awesome. Definitely. Thanks again. Thanks, man.